Hey everyone, welcome to the Troy Christian High School Chapel Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our Chapel YouTube channel and follow our Chapel Instagram account. Those two places will be the easiest way to check out what's coming up, as well as find some bonus content from our speakers and worship team. Most importantly, I hope the following message challenges and encourages you to grow in your relationship with God as you learn to love God and love others better. Enjoy. We are here with the one and only Robbie Liebarger in the podcast seat. And as a special little treat here, we also still have Tommy Royce. Tommy, we added the third mic right here. How you doing, Tommy? I'm good. You look good. You look good. Thank you. Yeah, you got that. It's flannel. You got the flannel thing going on today. And uh, I feel like you've lately been fully embracing the Bernie vibes. I'm just saying, I'm catching it. I'm catching it from you. I'm I'm for it. It's the jacket. It's the jacket. It is the jacket. You should have it on all the time. He really really should. It's the big winter coat. That's what's doing it. You know what I mean? I'm for it. I am. Uh, And Robbie... Uh, how are you? It's been a while since you've been on here. How you, how you been doing? I've been pretty swell. You've been yeah. pretty swell. Good. Swell. Swell. Yeah, swell. Swimmingly. Swimmingly. Uh, <laughs> that's that's one you don't you don't hear very often. Yeah. Uh, are is this you? You're wearing the jungle. The jungle. Yeah. The jungle sweatshirt. Welcome Cincinnati. to the jungle. There. You're a Cincinnati fan. Oh yeah. Big time. Who day? Big time. Who day? Oh yeah, we got two Cincy fans in here. What I if that was the interest? Die hard. Who day? Who day? <laughs> Die hard. Man, what a time. What a time. Well, you just spoke uh, as a part of a panel discussion that we had in chapel this past week on community. And um, and so we, we're going to spend some time today just talking a little bit about um, about just kind of breaking down some of the things that you shared and, uh, and getting into specifically this idea um, of vulnerability as a part of community. Um, just talk to us a little bit about uh, what has vulnerability looked like in your relationships? You know, as you've grown and matured, um, who who do you feel like who? Not necessarily, maybe the names, but the types of relationships that you've had that you've been able to be vulnerable with, and and how has that kind of, you know, evolved or progressed for you um, over the years? Yeah, uh, well, I'd say in high school, you know, I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to have some friends that. Um, cultivate some of that vulnerability and it was good and it was um we did intend to do that and share our struggles with each other but i think even more so in college uh moved into a space of vulnerability where people were willing to share things um even like overcoming fear um but i think obviously my my roommate in college is somebody that i was totally vulnerable with and, and him with me as well and i think that kind of relationship uh, is what cultivates like a greater love for people. I think when you're able to be vulnerable with somebody and still receive love uh, is when you know that that person truly cares about you and not just, I guess, what like a certain perception of you can be. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the greatest example of that in my life is marriage, uh, you know? Oh, no doubt. Uh, obviously my wife can see the worst sides of me. And I think growing, I mean, we've been together almost five years now, uh, not married a year yet, but I think in that relationship is where I've experienced the most like freedom of feeling like, okay, like I've been my worst self or, you know, my biggest mistakes. And, uh, despite that, uh, I'm still loved because I think that's the, the fear that stops people from vulnerability is I won't be loved if they know Mm. this or that about me. Yeah. When you, when you're talking about vulnerability, like what, what do you mean by that though? Cause I think we like, we throw throw around the term vulnerability, but is that like, 
yeah what is that like just sharing anything and everything is that like like and i'm sure to some degree like vulnerability is going to look differently with your wife than it would with maybe a a mentor or maybe even close friends so right right um yeah i don't think vulnerability has to be the same as transparency i think that's like where you get with uh, these levels of relationships a wise man sitting to my left i believe once said that uh, discern, always be authentic, discern when to be transparent. And so mm-hmm. I think sometimes we assume, uh, you know, vulnerability means I have to share every part of my life with everybody. Uh, and I think that just makes people uncomfortable. <laughs> right, you know, when a right. speaker gets up there and, you know, share your testimony. But I think sometimes it's like, ah, maybe you should have, not that I'm judging you for it, but that's like more personal. There, maybe there's levels of vulnerability in your life and how, what that looks like with each relationship um, could be different. But if, we had to define, you know, what vulnerability is. I think it's a willingness to like feel a little bit exposed in a relationship, mm-hmm. right? To, in, in some sense, let the guards down and maybe uh, depending on your closeness with somebody, that's what can determine that, right? Because being vulnerable, uh, like you said, is different with my wife. Like there's more walls that come down to have to get to that point of feeling, you know, a little bit of exposure, a little bit of risk to, you know, is she going to still love me through this versus like a friend where being vulnerable with them might be sharing something that, you know, I wouldn't have a second thought about sharing with my wife, but with them, it it feels vulnerable. You feel a little bit exposed. You feel a little bit uh, weak even maybe. I, uh, I like to understand vulnerability as intentionally putting yourself in a position to be either embraced or rejected. Mm-hmm. to um, whether it means sharing something that's, you know, maybe a mistake or something. And yeah. it, 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 you, the scary part about vulnerability is you can't guarantee the other person's response. Right. You know, that, um, you know, if you share with a friend, you know, maybe a, a sinful addiction that you've been keeping secret, you can't guarantee that their response to you is going to be, it's okay. I'll help you through this. I'll support you. Like you're still my, my friend. Um, you can't guarantee that. And so that moment of, okay, I'm going to share this has that element of risk to it. Um, and there's no vulnerability without risk. Um, even if you're pretty certain that the response you're going to get is embrace, um, it's still, you technically have that risk factor involved whenever you're vulnerable. Um, vulnerability has like kind of you were mentioning it, it manifests differently in different relationships um, and in different circumstances. You know, it could be as small as wearing something that y- you like and you think, you know, everyone might have an opinion on it. Um, that's a vulnerable step. And then it could be the totally other extreme of sharing something, you know, a deep secret that uh, you've been hiding from people. And it's on the darker side and you need, you're putting yourself in that position to either be embraced or rejected by the people you're sharing it with. Um, that whole spectrum um, are, is all vulnerability. Yeah. You know, I think, honestly, it kind of stems out of, you know, the first part of your message about carrying each other's burdens, right? That, that w- essentially what you're doing. And I think a lot of times when we think of vulnerability, we're thinking of like, I'm sharing something with this person that I'm not just putting out for everybody. And, and a lot of times what we're sharing is something that's weighing on us, 
right? It's it's a weight that we're carrying. And the act of vulnerability is is essentially saying, hey, will you help me carry this? Mm-hmm. And, and in that, you have the potential of somebody rejecting that. And I think that's that's part of what's happening here is, is you know, when I'm I'm carrying this weight, I'm carrying this burden, I I need help. It's it's that level of like exposure of like I'm not necessarily feeling strong enough to carry this on my own. I'm gonna put this out to see if if this person will um, help me carry this or help me work through this. And there's there's a sense of a possible rejection in in that um, for sure. I, there's a there's a part of it also, and I think this is where the you know where you differentiate. Um, where you can be vulnerable and what you can be vulnerable with with different people is you are asking this person to carry that weight. You know, you are putting that. So the question is like, is it right or is it fair to this person to have to carry what I'm about to ask them to carry with me? And I think that's part of why I can be vulnerable with my wife fully because, hey, we're we've committed to do this life fully together. Like this is I'm going to carry any and every weight you have, and you're going to help me carry any and every weight that I have, but not every relationship is intended to be, you know, that, that kind of a level of, of, uh, mutual, you know, submission and mutual codependency and, and, uh, uh, and with that. So that's where some of that, t- some of the times it's like, okay, I'm, I've got this weight that I'm carrying. Um, is this person that I'm being vulnerable with? Is it right? Is it fair to them? Um, you know, is, is there trust there? Is the relationship at a place where um, I feel like I can ask them to carry this burden along with me in that? In the context of Christianity, this is where uh, both the sacraments of marriage and our baptism are key. Um, Because whenever I am part of a marriage service or a baptism service, um, I think the ones that really get it right are the ones where, you know, after with with marriage for example where the husband and wife commit themselves to each other then the pastor looks at the crowd and says will you yeah do everything in your power to keep these to support these people and to keep them faithful and to carry their burdens as they struggle and grow and enjoy and all the stuff that comes with marriage and and the same with baptism um i after the person publicly declares uh, their faith. I, I love baptism services when the pastor then looks at the crowd and says, will you uh, consider this person a part of our family and, and carry their burdens um, along the way and along the journey? I think it is that commitment creates the like context for vulnerability yeah. um, in a way that's safe for you to be vulnerable because there are so many unfortunately uh a lot of a lot of christian and church culture um has abusive dynamics behind closed doors and um it is when we have that commitment to one another to carry each other's burdens and to support each other and to love each other and encourage each other that we can take that risk of being vulnerable um and feel safe about it yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, well said on that, w- Robbie. How have you how have you learned to be vulnerable? Like, how is that process? Because there is that like there's just there's inherent risk involved. How have you? What's that learning process been like for you? 
Uh, I definitely think it's been a learning process from people leading by example mm. uh, of people showing themselves to be vulnerable and asking for help um, and showing us that like that's what a strong leader actually looks like. It's not somebody who has it all together, uh, but somebody who's willing to admit their weaknesses and show that, uh, just like you've said, it, it is taking up that help, right? It has to be, I mean, I think you made a good distinction. It's not just sharing, uh, but it's sharing with the intention of seeking help. Um, side note, I just think sometimes uh, we may share things, but then play it off as a joke, and then there's not really a risk there, right? I think you hear people share things that maybe are actually like deeply hurting them, but then they make a joke of it so that it still feels protected. And that's not really vulnerability. Uh, but yeah, but how I've learned it is definitely just seeing people. Uh, and then on the flip side of not, not, not just seeing them put themselves out there and to ask for help, uh, but then to see others receive them in love, mm. right? And I think seeing that take place tears down that lie of I'm only worthy of love like if I'm not carrying this or if I'm not being a burden to others or relying on them or needing these things. Uh, and I think when we be a model of that for other people, we create the space for others to partake in that, mm -hmm. right? That as we uh, do that, you open up room for others to say, okay, I can do the same. Um, yeah, so my experience was definitely in college seeing people do that. Uh, and we were almost forced into a situation uh, where we had to share. We were asked to share, but it was not before they first shared with us uh, mm -hmm. their own burdens. Yeah. How, how does, so I think a lot of reasons why people aren't vulnerable is because they've been vulnerable and they've been burnt, right? So, so how, like, what's the process for people to try to find, if I think a lot of people are in that boat, you know, how do you get to a place where like, you can find community that that vulnerability can take place. You know, if you're not if you're not in the, you know, the mentor seat, if you're not in the leader seat in that relationship, you're in a place where like I need help, but I've been burnt too many times by being vulnerable. You know, what are some I guess what are some things that people can do to try to find community where vulnerability can take place in a healthy in healthy ways? One uh passage of scripture that's encouraged me in that is uh, in the Beatitudes. Um, Jesus said, uh, blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. And when I hear that, what comes to my mind is, uh, okay, why do, why do people mourn? Um, people, people mourn because they care mm -hmm. and they lost something um, or someone. And there is a element of vulnerability just in caring. Right. Because if let's say you love a person and you care about them, um, you're putting yourself in a position, even if they always embrace you and don't reject you, they could get sick and pass away. They could move to another state. They could. You, and then you are now in that space of, oh, wow, I put myself in a emotionally invested relationship and now I'm losing this person um, that hurts. And. I think the same thing happens in church communities. Uh, people will put themselves fully into a church community or into a, whether it's a more like a small group or even a whole church. And then at some point in the process, you know, the, the, the church burns them or hurts them with a decision they made or a mis, you know, moral failure or something along those lines. And it creates that tension of, wow, I really cared. I really put myself in this. I was vulnerable. Um, 
and invested and that investment is kind of it's gone and it, it hurts and it, it's um, I feel at loss because of that and with that in mind I think of Jesus saying blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted um, and what that means to me is that to be in that rejected state that causes mourning is still a blessing and is still um, going to be followed up by God's comfort. And so what I feel like Jesus did in that beatitude was create almost a win-win situation for vulnerability because either you will um, experience God's blessing by the embrace of the Christian community and the embrace of the friendships and then the embrace of um, who you put yourself out there um, with and you enjoy that relationship or that community, or you put yourself out there, you invest, you care, something bad happens, you're rejected or you're betrayed or you're failed and you are part of the, the blessed mourners who uh, will receive God's comfort. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's it's I it's still it still doesn't take off the risk factor. You know what I mean? Cuz it's cuz rejection always hurts. But to know that like ultimately ultimately there is love and acceptance and grace regardless of you know the community aspect of it is huge. It's huge. Mm. There's go ahead. I think it's just worth noting too that we worship a God who was rejected when he was vulnerable. Yeah. Right? That Jesus or God exposed himself by coming into humanity in the form of Christ in the first place in the incarnation. Uh, and then when he put himself out there, it was those or one of the twelve that was closest to him that ends up betraying his trust and the world rejected him. And so not that, that it makes it easier for us when we get burned, but it's to say, you know, that like Tommy said, you know, it's still worth getting burned again, maybe to, to put yourself out there and how you find those communities. uh, I don't know is necessarily a simple answer that you can be vulnerable with, but I think you keep trying and know that Christ has that solidarity with you. And maybe that's part of that comfort that Tommy was talking about that received from God Mm -hmm. uh, is in the fact that we have a savior who suffers with us. Yeah, it's true. And, uh, um, One thing that comes to my mind with that is the that whole the the way God comforts us as a rejected Savior, as a um, God who ex- who one experienced rejection in the person of Christ. Um, the reason he was crucified is because uh, he was in a vulnerable position, and uh, the one democratic moment in the Gospels, uh, the people voted, uh, "We want Barabbas." Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, he was rejected. And then today, throughout all of history, he's continued to be rejected by yeah. people who hear his good news and, and say, no, this is not what I want. I don't want your love. I don't want to follow your ways. And so we have a God who is, is a rejected God. And um, I think the way God comforts us in that is similar to how humans comfort each other. Um, and it's through solidarity and it's through presence. Um, 
I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when uh, I am going through something difficult and a hard time, my brain tells me that I want an answer to resolve the the mm-hmm. suffering. If I knew God, why why is this happening? Or if someone could explain to me why I'm going through this problem, then I think that that will make me feel better. Uh, but what typically happens is if anyone ever does offer uh, advice or a, an answer, an answer yeah. or um, it really, you know, doesn't comfort me at all, you know, as a, uh, uh, you know, even a, um, even as a nonviolent pacifist, if someone comes up to me when I'm suffering and says, uh, oh, God's got a plan for this. It was all part of his plan. That makes me want to punch someone in the face. <laughs> yeah. um, right. I'm like, oh, so you're telling me God wanted my mom to like have, yeah. you know, over 10 years of chronic fatigue and never to be able to work. That's a, something I struggle with. And so to, if you think just an answer to why that's happening is going to comfort someone, uh, you're playing yourself. Um, but what does comfort? It's when people uh, sit next to you and they are just with you in it. Mm-hmm. They carry the burden, not a, not answer the burden. Not They're not saying, how do we get rid of this burden? Let's uh, yeah. find a solution. Let's get rid of it. Um, but they just say, I'll carry it with you until it's the right time to not carry it anymore. And whatever needs to be healed is healed. And, uh, um, and then that's also just through their presence. Um, it reminds me of, uh, uh, the story of Job, um, where Job, uh, suffered, you know, for a long time. Um, he lost everything, lost his family, lost his health, lost his property. Um, and his friends approach him and, they do eventually kind of break the rule, but at first, the first thing they do is sit with them sit with for them. seven days in silence. Yeah. And that was uh, the right response. If you keep reading, they eventually start to offer advice and yeah. do try that to, whole thing. Answer, and it didn't work. The <laughs> Even yeah. after that, uh, Job was still ticked. Um, in the exact same way, we have a God who's rejected. Re- he was rejected. In Christ as a person on the earth, he's rejected as the God who offers us love and life and faith now. Many people reject him. And it's his presence, not the solutions, not his answers, that comforts us when we face uh, getting burnt Mm -hmm. after vulnerability, Mm -hmm. solidarity, uh, the cross and God's life and the rejection he faces today is his act of solidarity with human suffering and human rejection. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the distinction there of how to allow somebody to be vulnerable, if you're not picking that up is you don't, you don't, you don't need to provide answers. You don't need to provide solutions. The way you carry somebody's burden with them is just by being with them in it. That to let that lets them know that, Hey, one, just an acknowledgement of the pain that they're experiencing, especially if it's if the burden is something painful. Acknowledging that 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 sucks, that that's awful, and that I'm not going anywhere. You know, with you in this, I'm here, right? That you 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 this because sometimes, you know, we use the word like, "Well, I'm going to help carry your burden," but like the reality is, you're not necessarily carrying their burden. It's just you're you're going to be there with them as they carry. That you're going to be there as a source of life and encouragement to know the worst thing I think 
to to feel when you're going through something painful is that you're alone in the pain. Um, so that to know that like, okay, I've got people around me. I'm not alone. I got people that care about me, that love me, that the fact that you know that you're loved, which is what we come back to, like, that's what vulnerability creates is the opportunity to experience love on a level that um, is more authentic and real than than just somebody liking the way you look or, you know, your personality. It's a different level. You feel known as a result of that, which ultimately is what's at stake if you never come to a place of allowing yourself to be vulnerable is there is a level of love that you will not experience in life if you don't allow yourself to be vulnerable with the people around you. And that level of love is what God has intended for us to experience in this life. A a level of love that says, I see you as you are. I see you in the pain and the struggle, and I still love you. Um, I'm still here for you, and I'm not going anywhere, which is the beauty of marriage. But that's also the beauty of just vulnerability in, in any and all relationships that have the ability to carry the weight of vulnerability with them. So, so with that, we hope that you guys go and find relationships around you where trust can be established, where vulnerability can be had, and that you guys can experience love in your life that God's intended for you to experience. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys, on this podcast. Thanks for the insight, and uh, we'll catch you next time.